And it's my favorite time of the week. It is Thursday. Daylight Savings got us pushed back to 12.30 p.m.-ish. I got to get used to saying that. But welcome back to another episode of Pardon the Disruption. I'm your host, Weasel. And each and every week, I'm joined for some excited conversation, I like to call it, with some of the most knowledgeable people that I know. So let's go ahead and introduce everyone right now, starting with Boss Man, my guy. Let me make sure I say that after last week. <laughs> my guy, Steve Trang. What's going on, boss? Man, I'm excited. Another week for this. Uh, Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptors. Uh, passionate about all things real estate, except for property management. Uh, and we do have our live sales training coming up December 8th and 9th. If you're interested, check that out. Go to MillionaireSupport.com. There it is. And welcoming back, returning member. We miss you, man. Eric Brewer, what's going on? What's up, fellas? Uh, my name is Eric Brewer. I'm a real estate investor out of central Pennsylvania. I am the OG of Novations. Um, if, it, if it wasn't for me breathing life in the Novations, they would have died 20 years ago. Um, I've been going for a couple weeks. Happy to be back with the fellas to chop it up. There we go. There we go. Welcome back. We missed you. And to his virtual right, we got my guy, Leon. Don't forget the G Barnes. Welcome back, sir. What's up? What's up, my man? I, I'm going to start saying that from here on out because Steve gets a little jelly <laughs> when we start saying my man. Uh, Leon G. Barnes with the Collective Genius, also a real estate investor as well. Uh, we have our December event coming up. We also have a January event for those that uh, are at our CG Select level, 25 to 100 deals a year. If that's you, reach out to us at moreaboutcg.com. I'm excited to chop it up, especially have my man Eric back on the uh, on the show with us here today. Yeah. For, sure. for sure, for sure. And to his virtual right, last week's champion, a couple times a champion now, my guy CJ with the matcha right to his left. What's going on, sir? Hey, what's going on, man? We're just we're just keeping it bubbly over here today. All right, at Charge Up. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, good to be back. Chris Jefferson, Richmond VA, uh, Charged Up University, the U. Uh, teach people how to figure out how to wholesale, do life, do business, and scale in real estate. I'm excited to be here and win again. I'm looking forward to it. Let's get into it, man. There it is. There it is. The VAs are joining up now. But for the physical people <laughs> who are might be new, I'm sorry. Uh, the way the program works, we're going to ask the panel a series of questions. They'll then each have about 45 seconds to answer the question. And then we'll open up the discussion for everyone to partake in. Uh, do us a favor. Please like the video. Please share this with a colleague, family member, a friend right now. Let's get some engagement in here. With that being said, let's start with question number one. Steve, we'll go to you. When do you think the Federal Reserve should begin reducing the interest rates? Your 45 seconds starts. Man, I would say as far as reducing it, I, I don't think they should do anything at all. I think they should just leave things alone, see how things work out, right? See in six months, nine months, 12 months, if, it, if everything they've done has worked. Because uh, right now, all they're doing is just creating uncertainty. And there's, if there's one thing that kills any business, any market, it's uncertainty. If we could just leave things alone, let everyone know this is the way it's going to be for the next 12 months, let everyone plan accordingly, and then we'll see whether raising the rate this whole time has worked. Okay. All right. A couple seconds to spare. Let's go over to uh, Eric Brewer. Your thoughts. Oh, my goodness. I think the tough part about this is, right, is, is when the Fed got involved, nobody on this call was positively impacted, right? Like, at the end of the day, interest rates specific to real estate has had an overarching negative impact. Um, but unselfishly, what I would say is the Fed should continue to adjust interest rates as long as it's making the proper corrections. Like all they're really doing is for, it's forced unemployment. That's it. Rates will drive unemployment. You saw 11,000 people got laid off by Meta. What happened is for me, I sell a lot of turnkey properties, wholesale properties. My buyer got laid off and they won't be a seller of mine for another six months. So um, I, I think they should continue to do it as long as it's making the impact that is desired, even though it's tough work to swallow. All right, perfect timing. Brewer's back to his right. Uh, Leon G. Barnes, your thoughts? Eric's right. This is a tough one. You know, when inflation starts heading down is when we should start making, you know, these any changes. But it is tough coming from a real estate perspective because we've gone so far the other way. But this is why we ended up here with super low rates. We've had this conversation a couple of times that we've just been hit over the head so many times over the last 30 days, 30 days again, 30 days. Everything that I've, I've read and that uh, I have seen is that 
you'll start to see that slow down Q1, maybe even into Q2. But the answer ultimately for it's, it's actually good uh, for society to be able to afford things. Uh, inflation has gone crazy, and this is the only way that the Fed knows how to do it. So uh, the, the, uh, my answer is just when things start heading down, prices especially, it starts heading down consistently. Okay. And CJ, bring us home. Yeah. You know, look, I just give a couple fast thoughts, I guess. <clears throat> if we all want to be really, really brutally honest, it's working. Right. Uh, inflation was at, uh, I believe, like 9.7 percent or something like that. It's been reduced down by 2 percent so far. Uh, it's at 7.7 percent right now. The Fed has literally said back in August, I believe it was, that they will not stop raising rates until they're able to curb inflation. So I think this thought concept right now that all of a sudden they're going to stop increasing the rate just isn't realistic. We have seen some some tangible results as a result of them doing it. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of bloodshed in the process. I think there's going to be a lot of impact to us in real estate. Uh, people in the economy in general are already starting to lose jobs, opportunities. We're seeing massive layoffs across Fortune 500 companies. That's going to start to trickle down economically into local businesses, things like that, man. So I, I, I think it's working, um, but who it's working for may be a different conversation. Yeah, and, I th and they're talking about, right, do another half point uh, in uh, next month. So, I mean, for me, I, right. I think the biggest thing, I wish they would just rip the bandit off and just raise it three points back in June <laughs> and then just see, you know, let the ch chips fall where they may. But this thing where they were just going to keep increasing, keep increasing, keep increasing without checking feedback, without allowing time for feedback is what's killing killing us because now we're inserting all sorts of uncertainty. And that's, again, I think that's what's hurting some they people. Weren't they help, hoping, Steve, that that if they did it gradually, things would start to slow down, but that wasn't happening. So to it was hit us down. over the head with that three points at that particular time, I think people would have criticized the government for going too fast, you know, uh, immediately. They still have. They were, They've been getting criticized for going too fast, doing it in increments of, of, of a half to three quarters of a point. They were. They were damned that they do, damned that they don't. So if you're going to be damned either That's way, right. just go hard. Go all in. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's no... Go ahead, Leah. Yeah, I'm just going to say, you know, it, it, it was needed. The, the market in which we've lived in since COVID is, is not normal. That's not a normal world. And if you look at the price of everything, I don't care um, how much you make, you're feeling the effects uh, of, of inflation in your life at some level, especially, you know, like his, 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 his juice right there. It's, it's what do you king. think this costs today on DoorDash? No additives. Nine right? bucks. This is plain Jane, Leon's, he's my man. Everybody know who Cliff Clavin is from Cheers back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's exactly $9. And that's wow. what he said. He, in the York. Dude is remarkable. In York, where it's the most backwards in Pennsylvania, yeah. that's nine dollars. Yeah, I don't even I don't even think they put York on the map. <laughs> there's no nine dot, bucks. there's no dot. It says York on the map. No, but, but says, we all we all feel it. I don't care what your level of income is, you feel it at some point. So it's needed. And for, if we're going back to the real estate perspective, we had a call today where we were talking about this. Real estate is still happening, even with interest rates at seven and a half percent people are still buying deals. I put a house on the retail market last week and we had two, three offers in 24 hours. So people are still buying, activity is still there. Obviously it's down, uh, but if, if we're speaking from a real estate perspective, you just have to be better, quite frankly. I mean, this is not what it used to be where you buy, put a house on a contract and they immediately sell, just be better. Yeah, well, I think then, uh, the market deserved a pullback. I mean, let's just be honest, right? Like if pricing, if values went up 140% over the last couple of years and the market pulls back 40%, it sounds like it's still a decent market to me. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's the reality of what we're dealing with here. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like prices went up a valuation of five to 10%. Now the market's pulling back 40, 60%. And so the reality of the situation to me is, is this, right? Like the market is going, our pricing, I think is going down nationally. What 19 consecutive weeks, I think was the stat. Um, it's just something that we haven't been used to in 10 years, right? Over 10 years, what, 13, 14 years at this point. And so how many people are realistically still in the business from 14 years ago? Not a ton of people. Not a, not a, a lot of people have seen what's happening right now. One of the people in here. I don't, the only four. 
Right. I don't think we're in a terrible market right now. I just sold a, a house today. It was a instead of a twenty, thirty thousand dollar typical wholesale fee we get on this type of property, it was ten thousand dollars. Right. right. So that has impact to operations, that has impact to bottom line profit, all of that, but things are still happening and transacting for sure. Do you let RJ negotiate that deal for you, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> you left me or Steven on that, you'd have kept no. it. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I had let RJ listen, if I had sent it to Titanium, man, you're out of business. I'd be I'd be paying I'd be paying the seller to to, to buy the wholesale. <laughs> you'd, be, out of pocket, you'd, become, you'd have to burn it. That's what I tell my people. Anytime they tell me <laughs> it's a good I'm rental, <laughs> anytime they tell me it's a good rental, I go see so what you're saying is you overpaid. Yeah, if RJ if RJ locked it up, it's yeah. best as an Airbnb. This is a great Airbnb opportunity. Yeah, yeah. shout out to RJ. Nice job, <laughs> hey. Some people really did well still that just, you know, uh, CJ may need a loss, may need a loss. Maybe they bring true. in RJ for that loss. Nah, my, yeah. And that's the person to call when you need an L, man. That's the person to call when you need an L right there. LJ. We'll see when he's back to uh, defend himself. But until then, yeah, shout out to RJ. He still got his nine to five. It's tough. He's working the nine to five. Uh, he's got an Android, I'm, man. I'm I don't know the what boss. to do with this guy, man. <laughs> Round one voting has completed and it looks like my guy, the boss man, Steve Trang, has taken round one with 53% of the votes on the board early, boss. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Did I ever tell you that? Wu Trang? Wu Trang. Wu Trang oh, Realty. No, I have, I, I have not Trang. heard that one. You like that? I was considering. <laughs> I, like I was considering at yeah. one point, instead of being studying homes, being Wu Trang Realty. Should do it. That's like pretty it. hot, dude. It's the Wu, baby. Hey. All right. May have, may have been some some issues there. Um, may have gotten a lawsuit. <laughs> no, but... I just had to find a partner with the last name of Wu. Oh. <laughs> Smart. Smart. Albert. No, I just thought when it's Steve. We got one at said, it, could, it could yeah. be that hard for him. It could be that hard for him to find a business partner. Flagrant Fowler. Yeah. We've got one in CG Select. We'll, we'll connect. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to mute this section on a YouTube video so no one takes our idea. It's, it's pretty genius. <laughs> All right, so we'll go on to uh, question number two now. Uh, Steve, we're going to start with you, Wu-Trang. Does the FTX news scare you about the potential of crypto? Let's Does it scare it. me about the potential of crypto? Not at all. Am I concerned about crypto in the next 6 to 12 months or 18 months? Absolutely. There is all sorts of concerns about contagion, how this is affecting. I was reading about BlockFi, uh, how it's affecting Genesis and all these other markets, right, in the, on the blockchain. So am I worried about the future long-term? Not at all. I still believe wholeheartedly the future is on the blockchain. It's still Web3. But right now, man, right now it is scary as hell. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's a little rough. It's a little rough in the crypto world. Uh, second place last round was CJ. So your thoughts? Yeah, man. Look, I've I've lost some money in uh, in crypto in the last six months, uh, more than I want to say. Uh, I've made some money in the last couple of years in crypto. FTX situation to me is catastrophic. I do agree with Steve. I don't think it is long term, but it depend on it depends on what your long term actually is, though. I think there's going to be more widespread impact from this situation. We're already starting to see as it, it kind of starts to unfold. Uh, this guy Sam was vested everywhere. Everybody was vested in him. He had a lot of market dependency as the second largest blockchain or, uh, you know, brokerage, uh, you know, set up. And I, I think it's terribly impactive for the near future. And again, it depends really what your long term is. I'm sitting on the side a little bit for right now, waiting to kind of see how everything plays out before I dip my toe back in. But uh, I think crypto is going to be here to stay long term for sure. Right. Let's go over to Leon G. Barnes. Your thoughts? Doesn't. Doesn't scare me. I don't have anything to lose uh, in this uh, at, at at the current moment. Uh, but I, I will take everyone back, especially the young bucks, to the late '90s. Uh, there was an ancient time in the late '90s that the dot com bubble um, happened because everyone rushed to start companies. Dot com uh, marketing the mess out of them they had a lot of money behind them, and in that time frame a lot of those companies were ahead of the curve. I've said the same thing about crypto. We're probably, those early adapters are 10 to 20 years before this will really take hold. Cause I do think that there, there's a lot of future there, but you remember pets.com? Mm -hmm. They didn't make it. But you know, one company that took major losses that did, a little company called Amazon. 
So in regards to the future, it's still bright, but there's going to be casualties along the way because you got a lot of early adopters. Okay. And Eric Brewer, bring us home. Yeah, I would say it, it doesn't worry me because I've, I've never participated in, in crypto. And I'm sure that there was an opportunity that passed me by um, where I could have made lots and lots of money. Uh, listen, my whole thing has always been, um, if I can't touch it, smell it, see it, um, I'm super skeptical. I've been making fun of Steve for almost a year because he went off on an NFT tangent for, he had a, a whole separate show. He had a pod, he was Mr. NFT and a couple billion dollars of actual, real, tangible, spendable green money has disappeared chasing this fictitious land that everybody's going to exchange. I'm just not for it. I can't touch it, see it, and, and verify it. I don't want anything to do with it. And by the, I should have known that the instant LeBron was somehow involved, I should have known it was like FTX and the Lakers playoff chances are plummeting at an equal place. Let's go. Talk about it, Brewer. Talk about it, Brewer. How do you explain Tom Brady being associated with it then? Charity. But you look at he could just he had to pause on that one, Leon. He had to pause on that one. He had to pause on the bounce back will be will, will be unreal. But you see, like uh but to Leon's point, right? Like pets.com went under, but Chewy, I believe that's the brand, right? Is doing really that's well. Right. And that's the same exact right. concept, right? So um that's the, the biggest pro uh, problem right now isn't blockchain in and of itself. The biggest problem right now is we have this giant fraud, right? We have this person who intentionally stole nine billion dollars from people right like the guy is the biggest or second biggest i think behind bernie madoff uh, second yeah Steve, but can we say it a different way yeah all right i know i know how some of you guys can be a bit politically but let's just be frank okay it's called regulation unregulated right. industry mm -hmm. i know a lot of people that have made insane 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 amounts of money in crypto but fraud is so prevalent in crypto right now mm -hmm. for one major reason, because it hasn't been regulated yet. It right? hasn't. And I so think regulation will be a great thing for it. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And so we've got all these people in there in a financial sector with this much power and influence at this point. And it's literally the wild, wild west. Like yeah. it's, you literally have companies that are, that are masking wallets, showing money. We call it show money in real estate. I don't know if people still use that term or not. Right back in the day when you need to get a loan for real estate, you didn't have it. You call your boy that's got a bunch of money, EB. Tell him you need to put a deposit in your account for the bank. That's a different. That's a that's a that's a different way of life back in different the day. Times. All right? <laughs> different times. Different times. Different times. Show money. Show money. Listen. So the reality of it is this: it's just it's just an unregulated industry that needs massive regulation at this point to be long term sustainable. Yep. And I think the point here, right, is once we regulate it, it'll become more valuable because now. The Fortune 500 companies can actually invest, right? The the giant funds can now actually invest in it. Until then, it would be a violation of their fiduciary to invest in the blockchain. If you ever if you ever want a good example of my level of comprehension when it comes to crypto, Google Howard Stern crypto interview. He spends a good hour and <laughs> ten minutes having one of his interns explain it to him. He goes, "Okay, so if I buy this NFT, and I I, I get it, I Bitcoin, all that stuff's probably different, right? I don't get <clears> into the same." He goes, so if I own this John Lennon song, right? The words, I, can, can I, can I touch it? And then the guy's like, no, 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 you can't touch it. It's not, it's, it's on the, it's, it's, it's in the metaverse. And he literally went on for 90 minutes asking these questions, none of which got him closer to understanding <laughs> what the hell crypto was. That is me. Yeah. It'd be like talking real estate to Steve Trang. It's just falling on deaf ears. <laughs> So if you want a good example of that, that would make a great meme to describe my understanding of crypto. Look up Howard Stern crypto interview. I think we just have to, we have to interview like a 90-year-old. That's, that's what we got to have, right? To, to... You know, it's like, remember the presentation we did at CG, and it was like the late 90s, and they were talking about the internet. We yep. called it like, yes. it's the way that people exchange addresses when they're in college. And it's, <laughs> I feel like someone's going to get a clip of this in 15 years from now. I'll be the laughing. <laughs> there's there's a future there for sure. Uh, I think it's beyond probably us old timers, quote unquote. But I do think that you the, the question was, is it scary about the potential? To Chris's point, this fraud 
should help for regulation, which should uh, actually help it moving forward. Chris, you all right? You got that? I got a buyer just backed out. Look on your face. I think I think the jerk chicken and macho combo is just. Bubble you know, I watched this video on TikTok yesterday. Somebody threw a rock into a volcano pit, and it started bubbling. Yeah. It was only Bubble a matter of time. It, it was only a matter of time. I, 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 it was one of the two. You saw him, Leon. Yeah. That, that face is only one of two things. Well, I'll tell you what, CJ, uh, whatever it is, figure it out quick because you're dropping rounds here. <laughs> the boss man is up 2-0 on the program. Steve Trank takes 63% wow. of the votes. That's a landslide. Steve's made some changes. Steve made some changes uh, with, with his network. Hey, we, we, yes. we, hired, we hired all the uh, the UVAs. Awesome. <laughs> I just so imagine, I just imagine Steve. I just imagine Steve in his new office. They got like a room over there with like 80 computers in it. And it's just there's just bodies in there right now voting. Yeah. Hey, whatever saying, it takes hey, to win. You. Whatever it takes to win. Whatever Pop. it takes. There you Pop. go. Hilarious. All right. We are on to question number three. Let's get our bowels in order and get ready to answer some questions. Steve, we're gonna start with you again. What are your thoughts? Rocky <laughs> What are your thoughts on open door near nearly losing a total of one billion dollars? I mean, it's the same thing as before. I'm ecstatic, right? I feel like the, you know, the little munchkins in the, uh, what was it, the Wizard of Oz, right? Like, Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. Like, I really am enjoying this way more than I really should. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. They got, uh, on top of losing a billion dollars, they're they're getting multiple class action lawsuits, right, from their investors saying that you did not see this coming, you weren't prepared for it. We all knew this wasn't going to work. I called it, I want to say, four years ago on a panel, and everyone thought I was insane. I was like, open door. It's going to go out of business the day the market shifts. I feel great being proven right. <laughs> Taking another win. There we go. All right, on to uh, CJ. Your thoughts? I think it's great. I think, it's, I think it was pretty painfully obvious. I mean, as somebody who's done tons and tons of projects at one time, the fact that open door thought they could buy and sell at the prices in which they do, and make money long-term sustainably uh, flipping houses. Like it just never made any sense. I think it's good because we had a lot of people that chased iBuyers. We had a lot of people that chased hedge funds. Now hedge funds are still around in some capacities, but I think it's good for the business overall uh, because, you know, in the next 12, 13 or 12, 24, 36 months, I mean, I'm trying to buy some real estate myself too. So I think it's not a bad thing at all. And uh, it'll help settle prices, I think also, because they were overpaying. All right. Let's move on to uh, Leon. I think the number is double what Zillow offers lost this same time last year, Q3, mm -hmm. and shut their doors. I think that um, Zillow factually saved themselves from losing an additional billion dollars by cutting this out or cutting this portion of their business out, and they're now profitable. I think that uh, any of these iBuyers look at those statistics and say, we've got to either change our model or someone's going to come in and disrupt and do different. But I don't think this is going away, gentlemen. I know you guys are excited about this particular one, but at some point, someone will figure out that losing $40,000 in Q3 on the average per door is not a, a viable business long-term. So. I think there's a lesson here for all of us in real estate because we don't have long money like they have, that now is the time to buckle down and make sure that you are part of as much sales training as you possibly can be. Those that can sell, those that are good at acquisitions, long-term will have a viable business. Right, and Brewer, bring us home. Yeah, I think uh, I'm careful when I, anytime that I root for or cheer for anybody's um, demise. Uh, Steve's obviously super comfortable with that, but um, I generally just don't prey on others' demise, right? Like, so what, what's concerning to me is that I think it'll give some of us maybe a false sense of security that there's no longer competition in that space. The reality is, is that to Leon's point, there's a lot of long money that, that has a vested interest in eliminating the trillions of dollars, billions of dollars, whatever the number is that's paid to real estate agents every year 
it's a it's a commodity and a transaction that is very coveted and i'm sure that someone will figure it out Aaron, um, oh, they were prepared to, to lose that money um, i'm sure it was part of their um, strategy it was it, it probably just ran out um COVID in the middle of that i'm sure disrupted their long-term plans but i don't think that model has has died yeah i'm with you on that i don't think the model's dead i don't think the model's dead at all i think open door is in trouble right so what i said on that panel a few years ago was that open door is going to go out of business the moment the market shifts and i'm more worried about whoever figures it out after open door that's right right open door is the pioneer right what happens to the pioneer pioneer gets the arrows in the back well, what did I what did JP Morgan just announce yesterday? I don't know if you guys saw that, right? JP Morgan just said yesterday they've allocated a billion dollars uh, towards purchasing single family. So I, I do think it's a whack-a-mole situation. There's so much money coming from Wall Street after single family assets after the 2008 that so much money is circulating from those types of pockets, pockets that none of us got. I mean, they're going to keep coming to this market. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, real estate is secure. Real estate does give you cash flow. And real estate absolutely does give you long-term appreciation. So I don't think we're going to see them go away. I think the players will change. And the model of which they do business will change for sure. Yep. I, I, I totally agree. There's someone coming behind it and another person coming behind it. So what are your thoughts? The question is, what are your thoughts about it? My thought is this. If you are a real estate investor, make sure you're really good at active income so you can hold assets because guess who's going to want those long-term and who will overpay, who has already shown that they'll overpay for assets. You want a retirement and hold assets because either you hold them and, and make cash from them or you sell them long-term to those people on the institution side to have that long money that Eric was talking about. I do like to point out when, when Leon says really smart stuff, so Leon did just say you need to get active income to get passive income. He didn't say go get passive income. All right. Everybody, every, yeah, everybody's got this weird thought. It's like, oh, I'm just going to go buy some assets, get cash flow, get passive income. That doesn't work like that. You need money to create money. All right. So he just said you go get active income to create passive income. All right. Uh CJ, uh, let's see. We're gonna give you a couple seconds to see if that worked because it's looking like Steve Trank's taking round three again. Chris, you gotta fire your VAs. You gotta fire your VAs, Chris. Where are they at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I gotta, I gotta raise the pricing, man. I gotta raise the pricing. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, boss man, you're at forty-seven percent. So barring something crazy happening in these next few seconds, it looks like it looks like you're all taking round three. I think Eric's awesome though. All right, he's 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 so careful to make sure everyone, no no one's being. Uh, Food out on on the stage. No one, no one's being you know rooted against. Very very classy of Eric. I don't. It's really surprising to see this, because this is not the text messages I get from him at all. <laughs> Taking the high road. That's different. That's private. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's demeanor is always a bit different. He's always a little more serious, I'd say, uh, when he's when he's got the blazer on. <laughs> yes. You know, when he's got when he's got the official I'm a business guy blazer on, man. He's you know, he's, I mean, he's just a little bit more he's 74 years old. Blazer. Hey man, we listen, listen. We it looks good on you, man. It looks good on you. That's Thank all I'm you. saying. It looks good on you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Drip Master Brewer. He's killing it today. He's killing it today. All right, before something we light. Go, something light. I like that. Uh light. Before we go on to question number four, just a quick <laughs> reminder to everyone, uh, make sure you're pushing the thumbs up button on the video. Please share this with a coworker, a colleague, a family friend. Um, and let's go ahead and get some more votes in. We're only getting about half of the people that are in the uh, live right now voting. So don't feel bad. Vote for whoever you think had the best argument. We are here to hurt feelings or Eric. on purpose. <laughs> or Eric. All right. Question number four. Boss, man, you ready? Yep. All right. With the election passing and the future presidential elections upcoming, how does this affect the real estate market? You know, I, I don't think it's affecting the real estate market at all. There's so many things that are happening on, uh, on a nationwide scale, uh, worldwide, and everything else. I, I don't think the presidential election, or not, not presidential, the midterm elections, I don't think anything's going to change there because nothing changed, right? Like the Senate, the Democrats still control the Senate. Yeah, they lost the House, but... President Biden, so President Biden, the Federal Reserve is still uh, led by uh, Powell or whatever, right? Like the dynamics haven't haven't changed. 
So with the with none of the uh, dynamics changing, I don't see how this affects the the real estate market at all. The only time you're going to see something change is generally like the six to twelve months before the presidential election, and we're so far away from that. I don't I don't see this election affecting the real estate market at all. All right, perfect timing. Uh, CJ, we're over to you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think the argument could be yes or no. I think my argument is I really don't care personally. Right. Like you got to be able to operate and make money in sort of any uh, real estate market, any sort of cycle or life cycle of the market. Do politics matter? Do they play a part? Yes. I mean, if anything, man, if somebody could bring back the first time homebuyer tax credit, shout out to Bush, that would be great. (laughs) Um, So, you know, barring something like that happens, man, I, you know, I really could care less if I could be honest. All right. Let's go on over to Leon. Yeah, I agree with these guys. I don't think that these elections uh, recently affect anything on the real estate side. In fact, I mean, we've gone so far the other way than what we saw just nine months ago that I could, even if it did affect it, how much more could it affect it at this point, especially for markets like Phoenix, uh, where, where, where you guys or Steve is. Um, I do think that you will see in two years, I do think you'll see a change at the top and there may be some changes coming down the pike at that point. I would focus if you are, if you do care about politics and how it affects your business, it's local. Yeah. If you look at where you are really truly affected, if you're a builder, if you're a flipper, permitting, Airbnb, we just, uh, there's not a lot of places here in Tampa that allow Airbnb anymore. One of the beaches that does just had a city council meeting on Monday. That's more important than any of these uh, national elections at your local. So if you want to care, get involved in your local politics. All right, let's go over to Eric Brewer. Close this up. I can tell you the most recent election impacted my real estate because the price of television commercials went through the roof. So in my little world, the election <laughs> impacted my real estate market because I had to pay literally five, 10 times um, for television commercials and television advertising for us is our number one lead um, producer. So my little world, I am happy that the election's over so that I can get back to normal pricing on my television commercials. I'm extremely excited (laughs) about that. Let's go. All right. The floor is now open and the voting will begin in just a few seconds. You know, I I appreciate Yeah, to that. Uh, Go ahead, Leon. I was just going to say to Eric's point to follow up, direct mail, same way, right? A lot of people in our community said that their response rate on the direct mail side was, uh, has gone down uh, over the last uh, six months. Why? Because the elections are, how many pieces of mail did you get every single day? Or text messages. Um, or text, all of those things. So yeah, it, it, if we're looking at how it affected real estate investors, specifically advertising, that's a good point. Yeah. I, uh, in the last presidential election, right, two years ago, I bought presidentialcashoffers.com so that when I run for president, I can also text you, see if you're interested in selling your house for cash legally, right? <laughs> Let's get around all that TCPA nonsense. <laughs> shout out to uh shout out to leon too he, he just dropped more game um i love po- i love local politics i think local politics is fascinating i think it's amazing uh nothing drives your life or your business more than local politics uh if you're not paying attention to what's happening around you locally if you're not looking at city council meetings and uh how things are being zoned how things are being regulated at a local level how things are being forecasted. Every city has a master plan. If you're not familiar with your city's master plan, if you haven't looked at it to see what the city wants to do, uh, you're, you're making grave mistakes. Uh, local politics does impact your business. It's extremely important to be involved in. And uh, make sure you donate some money to your favorite local politician. Yeah, I right. appreciate saying that, CJ. If you really want to make an impact from a political standpoint, because I think at times on the political side, we don't think our vote counts really, but on a local side it does. And I learned this. Uh, I, I'm originally from Kansas, and that's where uh, the, the Koch brothers uh, are from. And I followed their lead. They're smart, smart businessmen, and they started. They, they are notorious for putting up a ton of money for political campaigns. And they made a shift from presidential and national elections to local elections because they knew that they could make more impact. If you follow smart business people, typically they go where they can have the most impact. Your local, your local elections, especially if you're a builder, a rehabber, commercial, you're going to get a lot more on that side uh, from a political standpoint. 
Yeah, and then, you know, to Eric's point about the uh, the ads and the spending and this and that, my kids watching YouTube were so inundated with political ads that my 11 and 9-year-old girls have opinions on abortion. Like, Jesus, you know, like, <laughs> there's just so much in your face. Like, they're yeah. asking, asking me about it. I was like, ah, I am not ready to have hey, this conversation. I'm like, quick draw on that remote. It's quick mute. <laughs> quick mute. <laughs> Hey, we gotta, you're right. Yeah, we got to let women do whatever it is they want to do. And look, I, I think it's funny you mentioned that, though, Steve. I, I'm having those same type of conversations. The political ads around kids are everywhere. Um, it's like political grooming. It's a weird thing that's going on these days. But, yeah, exactly local politics, is. man. Get involved locally. Uh, I think that's a must. Uh, even if you're not in business, just as a as a so where you live, you should you should be paying attention to what's happening happening with local politics. Right. Uh, voting is open right now. Brewer, I'm going to put you on the spot and see if you want to chime in on anything because you're tied right now with CJ. Or close by, I should say. Close chime by. in on anything? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, one of the things that's a little unusual, I'll speak from, I was exhausted at the end of the last election. Like between all of the, the drama that was being caused on um, people's social media and, and the, 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 the just combative nature of people's language. And like, I knew 15, 20 year relationships of people that had like actual history together and come to know and like and trust each other that separated over political views because of a five to seven comments on a thread. Um, so I, I think more so today, like it was as I noticed, like the election was still important. People still obviously took their responsibility uh, seriously, but I, I feel like people are just tired and any, anything that's negative right now is not getting a whole lot of attention. And let's face it, most political ads are smear campaigns. Okay. So the good, good, the good news is they get uh, more of Eric's positive face on the commercials now, instead of those. I just got disconnected from uh, Wi-Fi. Internet's out. Somebody comment ASAP. Hey, listen, man. When you got the blazer on, you can do it, man. I like that. I like you know, the that. blazer, you can pull that off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to apologize blazer. on our end. We're having some intermittent uh, internet issues. We're not sure if we're actually here or there. We can't hear you guys now, so I'm assuming we're still on. So sorry. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, I think Chris is hacking. You. Chris is hacking the system. And you're there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that might be Sam, Sam Bankman. He might be doing <laughs> SBF. The hack did work. It looks like CJ took that round with 31% of the votes. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, sir. You are on the board. How you feeling? Good, man. Good. It's good to be back. Shout out to Steve's team. Uh, it's good to be back on the uh it's good to be back on the winning side, man. There it is. There it is. All right, so before we go on to uh, the fifth question, we do want to shout out today's sponsor for the episode. It's the Bateman Collective. For any real estate, SEO, or Google PPC needs, the Bateman Collective is your one-stop shop. So thank you to the Bateman Collective for sponsoring today's episode. And with that, very uh, exciting question for question number five. It feels like we're talking a lot about NBA guys recently, not just because of the season, but because of things that they're doing and saying and how they're acting. So... CJ, question number five, you'll go first. How would you handle a situation like Kevin Durant publicly criticizing his teammates? Man, what is KD doing, man? Uh, every time I hear KD talk on Twitter or publicly when he's getting pressure, he's like uh, overly emotional uh, and he's, he's like a victim and he's lashing out. I don't like it. I, I don't like seeing somebody throw teammates under the bus. We all know that you're the star player. We all know you're the ringer on the team. We all know you're taking the last shot, uh, but uh, kind of dumping on teammates, I, I'm not a fan of. I don't respect it in any way. Um, you know, he's naming off guys on the team as if they're just, you know, nobody. Here's a harsh reality for anyone who thinks that this is okay. You can take the like the 15th person on an NBA bench, wherever they came from, they were absolutely elite basketball players, yeah. like absolutely elite performers. So for Kevin Durant to minimize somebody just because they're not KD, I think is childish. I think is poor. I lost a little bit of respect for him as a result. All right. All right. Keep it honest. I like it. 
like it and agree. Let's go over to uh, Eric Brewer. Your thoughts on KD right now? The only issue I have here is that he made the comments publicly. At the end of the day, um, you have that conversation in the locker room. You have that conversation one-on-one. And effectively, what he's saying is, listen, when you got to be realistic about expectations, that's probably um, a conversation he needs to have with ownership about potentially bringing in talent, making a deal for, you know, Kyrie. Um, you know, I think anybody on that Brooklyn team gets what they deserve the instant they allowed Ben Simmons to infiltrate <laughs> that locker room. The guy is a, a, a superhero weirdo. Um, but KD's got a history of doing this stuff, right? Like he would have done it five years ago. He would have done it from a, a hacked Twitter handle. Now he finally has the gumption to speak up because nobody on the team will fight him or has as much money as he does. So he's a punk. He's a, he's a locker room problem. And this is just another example of toxic behavior he's been doing for ever since he left OKC. He's been an issue. Okay. Like it. All right. Leon, your thoughts on Kevin Durant. So the happiest two coaches in, in the NBA are Doc, to, to Eric's point, Doc Rivers are getting rid of Ben Simmons and uh, Scott, uh, Steve Kerr in Golden State, or even though as much of a talent as he is, Kevin, to Eric's point, has been an issue really since Oklahoma City. You didn't hear anything from him in that small market, and, and then he goes away, and all of a sudden you hear more of that. To, uh, I'm going to agree with Eric here. Like I don't have a problem with someone on my team. Take this back to a real estate team a real estate business. I don't have a problem with someone on my team calling out people as long as not doing it in a setting that is public, right? I think robust dialogue is healthy for an organization. As a leader, I want people that care enough to say that person isn't pulling their weight as long as we're doing it in a respectable manner that we're not disrespecting someone and we're having open dialogue to get better. But when these athletes, Derek Carr did the same thing. He just didn't call anybody out. Meanwhile, he's crying while he's doing it. I don't have a problem doing it, but keep that in the locker room or in our particular example, in the business where you actually have closed door meetings and you you have robust dialogue and get through it and you become better on the other side. Doing it in front of the media, no one's getting better because of that. Okay. All right. Steve, bring us home. What do you think about Katie? I just want to give a shout out to the real MVP, right? Kevin Durant. I mean, he has definitely been the MVP of this show, right? My birthday twin. <laughs> um, I recall we talked about we, we talked about this a uh, few episodes back. We're talking about like what would you have him on your team? And I made the strong argument, no, the guy is cancerous. Everywhere he's gone, he's caused problems. Right? So I don't think this is anything different. And if this is someone on my team, like I I, I you know really like you, but you gotta go. You got to go, right? Like, to have the team turn around after that, it'd be better off trading him away, bringing someone up. Unfortunately, the next man up is Kyrie. So then the next man up after that is Ben Simmons. That's Eric's guy uh, from Philly. Right? Well, Steve, as a fan, you mean to tell me if Phoenix couldn't make a deal for KD? I want Kyrie. one-year deal. I don't want KD. I want Kyrie. He's not available. He's not available. But you can keep your core neither. talent in Phoenix, and KD will come out there, one-year deal, no cap penalty. You're not. You're not accepting him on your roster. No, not the way As things are going right now. He can come to Philly. If we, yeah. I, I would trade every except for Tyrese Maxey, and that's the only reason anybody would probably give up KD. But I would take him in Philly, and I hate to say it because it's almost a guaranteed championship with anybody that has one or two talented players and reasonable coaching. He could go to almost any team in the NBA make a, a championship caliber team. What, what, you, just said, team. what you just said, what? Eric, is so is so important to that, is if, if, if KD or a talent like him in your business, it all comes back to leadership. Do you think that Phil Jackson would have this problem with KD? No. No. Maybe, he, maybe, he, maybe he not. Likely not. But, I mean, look, he just ran Steve Nash out. Right, you know they're gonna have uh, another not coach. The same guy. Yeah, yeah no, nah, obviously not. Nash was not to blame. I thought he said something well, he like, said "Hey, that, at the I end mean, of the day, on. we still got to show up on the court." Like, I thought he did say something. Yeah, but he was dump, he was dumping on Nash, and he was he was dumping on him in different ways in interviews. Right. Really? Yeah. So, so the, the, to go back to that though, it's leadership, guys. I mean. 
KD or any star, you have to have great leadership when you have people that are that talented. You just do. And it goes back to they haven't had an elite coach um, in uh, in Brooklyn. And, and that's really when this started. Like the, the Twitter stuff happened in Golden State and the issues with Draymond. But but it wasn't at this level. Like We've only been talking about him this year on this show yeah, but, for but a reason. Le- but, Leon, look, one thing for sure, though. We haven't we've in in KD's career, we haven't seen him play well in the sandbox long term with anybody, another superstar. Yeah. All right. We we have not seen that. And so he went to Golden State. He got a chip. He felt himself from that. He said to himself, I'm gonna go to Brooklyn. Let me get Kyrie here and I'm just gonna run it back because I'm the guy. Like he's clearly displaying this this feeling and thought that he's the guy. And nobody can win without him at the helm. I'm sure he's still burnt out. That's probably why he's so vocal about how he feels now. Is because what did Golden State just do? They they won they won and got one without, without him. him. Right. Of course. But we have we've never seen him long term with any superstar teammate. We've not we have not seen him play well in the sandbox. So I don't know if he's a good fit on the team or not. Um, I would take Kyrie, like Steve said, if if I was a Phoenix fan, I would take Kyrie over KD. Because all, all, all the Phoenix needs, if you watch basketball, they need a good distributor, and they need somebody at the point position that can score some buckets too. So you're going to take him over Chris Paul, the best leader probably on uh, floor general in, in the NBA? Bro. I'll take someone me, that can want, make a deep run in the playoffs. Steve, you know, what, you know what Chris Paul is right now? He's direct mail and he's TV ads. <laughs> that, that's, that's what Chris Paul is. Listen, I, I, want, I, want, I, want, I want something a little better, man. I want something a little better, a little bit more cost effective. All right, you're gonna have to pay uh, Chris Paul how much? I just want someone. I just want someone that's got legs in the third and fourth round of the playoffs. Give negative points on that. Kyrie's cold calling, man. He's cold calling. He works works very well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I bet they're look up their salaries. I bet they're the same. Kyrie probably makes more than Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul might make more than Kyrie right now. Yeah, they're probably similar. A bum yeah. foot. They're very, very similar. similar. There is not a yeah. big difference. We have uh, CJ currently in the lead at 50% of the votes. Yeah, we that need more votes round. in here. That was a great round. That was a great <laughs> round. Yeah, we definitely need more votes. <laughs> Make sure you're, uh, if you're watching, you're thumbsing up the video and you're voting. But it does look like CJ's going to take this one, which would put him at two points on the program. One Let behind too early. I think mean, that's questionable. We called that one too early. See, yeah. desk over Can here. we just count? Can we just end with this? Can we say that if you're on a team currently and you got a problem with the teammate, express it, but don't do it in public. Just express the issue that you have, like like a human being, one person to another. It's not that. Yeah, this, that's the weird thing. These guys public. talk to each other through media and stuff like that. I don't know. I feel a lot better blasting Eric in public. Criticize in private, congratulate in public. In public. That's a good rule of thumb. It's fair. By the way, they, they both make about the same money. Kyrie's paid thirty four. Chris Paul's paid thirty eight. They're they're is that's that a, it? That's, I thought that's Chris Paul was making like forty something million a super max. So that's no matter what, fault. they're better than Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ben Simmons. What a big three. <laughs> ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Rob Philly, and he's robbing Brooklyn. It's crazy. Literally. <laughs> literally. That, All right. He needs a blazer. Last. Hayden. Oh, I'm sorry, Leon. I keep cutting you off. My bad. No, that's all right. You can't hate on Ben. I mean, he's he's definitely he, he's definitely stealing from Bulls, but can't hate on him. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not he's hating. Man. He, he robbed he robbed the bank and he's healthy, man. I, I can't be mad at him. <laughs> and not going to jail for it. There you go. <laughs> Doesn't even have to put a shot up. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> question number six is an audience submitted question. So thank you for everyone who dropped the question in the chat while the program was going on. This was the question that we chose. So. Uh, we are going to start with CJ again. You won the last round. Question number six. With more buyers on the sideline, how should we go about finding serious cash buyers in today's climate? Yeah, I think I mentioned this last week. Look, all I'm doing right now is we're, we're aggregating cash buyer data, retail buyer data. So not just having a dependency on, quote unquote, cash buyers. Buyers are buyers, period. You know, the thing about a retail buyer, and they have a lot of interest to me in my business right now, is that a cash buyer... They have a requirement of equity and profit when they purchase a piece of property in some capacity. Retail buyers are traditionally conditioned to when they go to buy a property, they're buying it at 
whatever the market value of the property is at that particular time. And so with prices still not getting low enough on the buy side, we're seeing a lot of success marketing out to retail buyers in our market. And in many ways, like shout out to Eric with Novations. It's the same exact thought process, right? It's like, why are you not going after more retail oriented buyers? They're going to pay more for the property and they don't need to capture profit and equity. All right. Let's go to uh, Eric Brewer. Your thoughts. Yeah, I, mean, I think the, the big the big gap is right now that you're seeing um, most buyers or active buyers have been um, paying cash the last two years. They're seeing interest rates. They're unsure about how it's going to impact their flip three or four months down the road. And most most cash buyers on on people's buyers list have either stopped buying until they get a better sense of what to expect, or they're just drastically lowering their offers. Um, if you're not selling to retail buyers right now, to Chris's point, you're probably seeing a significant reduction in your volume. Um, and the only way to also either to, to figure out how to buy every property, another 20, 30% lower, or you have to be able to go out and sell it to a retail buyer, getting deals to the MLS in front of retail buyers, um, is the new way of doing business. Um, when we talk about it, we call it wholesaling 2.0, um, trying to find cash buyers, the old fashioned way is not working. All right. Uh, boss man, your thoughts. Yeah, I think there's four different ways you can go find cash buyers today, right? I think first, if you're a licensed realtor, you just go into the tax records. You just look up cash transactions. Go to InvestorLift, right? That's our sister company. You can get buyer sonar. That's ran by Audantic, our friends Chris Richter. Uh, or you go with PropStream. Like, I, I don't think it's hard to find the cash buyers, right? If that's what you're truly looking for. Question is whether you can convince them to buy today, right? And I think that's what we're talking about uh Something we rolled out very recently is the disposition sales training, right? Having real conversations about what the buyer truly wants. But I think finding the cash buyers isn't hard. It's convincing them why they should work with you. And then to Chris and Eric's point, right? Uh, we would not be doing as well as we are today and well as, you know, kind of loosely defined here, uh, if not for innovations. So, you know, shout out to Eric Brewer, Brewer Method, whatever you can do to get a property on the MLS, you're much better off going to MLS than trying to sell it to a cash buyer. All right. And Leon, bring us home on this question. Yeah, this is my answer last week was you have to find a way to get that to the MLS. Um, retail buyers, the question was about buyers, cash buyers being on the sidelines. Well, guess who the last two years spent time on the bench and are now looking to get in the game? a lot of retail buyers that missed because there were 10 and 15 offers on an asset that they wanted to call home. They didn't care that they had to do work to that asset. So if you're not great at negotiations today, maybe you've only been in the business for a couple of years and you haven't had to get deep with sales, that, that purchase or that uh, contract was a deal nine months ago to a cash buyer. Well, it's no longer a deal to a cash buyer, but it can be a deal to a retail buyer. I'm going to give you all some free game right now. Uh oh, to, spit to it. Leon's point, I'm going to tell you specifically the group of buyers who have been unable to participate in real estate buying the last two years FHA, VA, USDA borrower that needs between three to 6% seller's help and has either zero or three and a half percent down. There's not a seller, an agent, anybody that would have advised their seller or client to even consider any of those transactions the last two years, because no one needed to, to, to accept FHA finance because everybody was converting to either cash or conventional. So the, the, when you can take your deal and get it in front of an FHA, VA, USDA borrower that needs full seller's help and has probably less than than 5% down, that is who will pay the most for a property in today's market because they have been out on the outside looking in for the last two years. To the analogy that we used last week, we've been so focused on the needle, the cash buyer that we've just said, you know, we don't need all the other haystack. Now it's I need to go out and find all those people that have been sitting on the sidelines to Eric's point, those that missed out on every single deal the last two years they don't mind doing a little work because a lot of those properties that that investors were selling, they were just cleaned out and not flipped. 
they needed work. So they're not uh, against doing that work and they want a home. And if it's an FHA, more than likely with seller uh, concessions, it's going to be affordable and it makes sense for them. That's the person, they're not on any list. We talked about this last week. They're not on a cash buyer list yet because they haven't made a purchase. That's the, that's the top end, that's still a deal for them. Right, the voting is open right now and it looks like there is a tie between CJ and Steve. So any last points you guys want to try to make really quickly before the voting closes out? I think the big thing is, uh, just again to what everyone else is saying here, it's asking the right questions, right? Like the cash buyers is not your priority right now. The And, and everyone else here said this, it's finding a way to sell it to a retail buyer. So one thing that Leon and I, we got a chance to hang out in LA at, at an event and the guy talked about like in every single run up, it's all cash buyers. Once the run-up's done, it's all government loans, right? It's what Eric said, USDA, VA, FHA. Govy loans is the loans that get done in a slower market. In a good market, it's cash and conventional. So all those people that have been on the sidelines, they're the and ones to answer to. their question, right, Steve, you just gave a great point there. To answer their question, where can you find those? Um, I'm guessing that buyer agents know of people that have been sitting on the sidelines that are looking to be put in the game, Coach. Yeah, buyer yeah, agents, it, and we were talking about last week, loan officers. Yeah, if you go back and look, right, like I'm in like different real estate Facebook or realtor Facebook groups like in my markets, right? One of the big conversations they've been complaining and having over the last two years is about how hard it was to get buyers uh, opportunities to actually own a home, right? People are in bidding wars, people are overpaying, over asking all these different <clears> things. The the guys, the, the, the agents have the relationships with the buyers that are looking to purchase homes. When somebody wants to buy a house, the you know the regular person, the nine to five, right? It's not in real estate investing. Their initial thought generally is, I need to contact a real estate agent. Not, I need to see what the local wholesaler has available in inventory. They don't even know what wholesaling is. Go build some relationships with local realtors, get in their pocket, massage those relationships a little bit, and they're they're going to bring buyers to you that you can do business with and you can sell your your deals to. And I think Steve, you said it. You can target out people that are willing to do a little bit of work at the same time as well and make really good money. Yeah, and exactly to what you're saying, like most buyers will look to go get a realtor. There's a reason why so many investors, wholesalers became licensed. Like I need to become a, a licensed real estate agent to get good deals, right? And we obviously know that's not true, but that's the public perception. Tell you what, Steve, you did a good job conveying your points because it looks like you took home 44% of those votes which would put you as this week's winner, boss, man. My guy is the winner. <laughs> How do you feel? Well done, Weasel. I feel good. I feel good. Thank you for calling me out. My Thank you for calling me my guy. It really means a lot. right? That's what it takes. To, if, I, if I have to win a, uh, win a day, win a win one of these to get my guy, I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> the title you know, is what, is it, what is that uh, saying, Weasel? That they say, like, is it even the sun shines on a dog ass some days or something like that? Shout out <laughs> there to you Steve go. <laughs> Boss man takes the W this week. Uh, a great program all around. Some great questions, some great answer. Free game each and every week. Thank you guys for all of your participation, for the interaction in the chat. Uh, the voting went up each and every round, so thank you for that also. Let's go ahead and give everyone a chance to sign off, starting with CJ. Much love, peace. If you want to talk to me, man, shoot me a DM on IG at the Chris Jefferson, and I'll catch you over there. Guys, it was always a pleasure. Enjoy seeing you guys again. Eric, it's good to see you when you're not busy. Much love. All right, let's go over to Eric to sign off. Uh, yeah, it was fun being back. Looking forward to next week. Um, always good to get together, um, chop it up, and I find these conversations um, interesting. It's really cool to hear different perspectives and get a chance to share Steve, thanks for having me, fellas. Uh, I appreciate uh, spending an hour with you. Definitely, definitely. It's good to have you back. Uh, let's go over to Leon. Sign us out. Yeah, great uh, show today. Lots of great information, guys. Appreciate the, the platform to be able to share as much knowledge as we possibly can. Fire today spit by everyone. Um, if you are a full-time investor and you are looking for a community to help you, dominate during this downturn we've got some great events coming up in december and, and, and january shout us out go, take a look learn uh, learn more about cg.com take a look thanks guys appreciate you 
All right, and let's close it out with this week's champion, Steve Trang. Yeah, learn more about CG. I love it. That's my community. That's the tribe I love to hang out with. So Eric's there. That's how I met Eric. That's how I met Leon. So if you guys are interested, definitely check that out. Uh, if there's anything my team can help you with, go to uh, millionairesupport.com. And unfortunately, we won't be here next week. It's going to be Thanksgiving. So I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Be good. Be safe. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> thought Manny was going to take me out there, but, uh, you know. <laughs>